From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Washington Watch. Coming up on this edition... Americans must know how the Chinese Communist Party is poisoning the well of our higher education institutions for its own ends and how those actions degrade our freedoms and American national security. That was Secretary of State Mike Pompeo yesterday at the Georgia Institute of Technology, where he elevated the warning of the Chinese Communist Party's activities on U.S. college campuses. Under a Biden administration, will we see America trade the America first policy for a policy that is essentially China first? We'll talk about it with Secretary Pompeo. We'll also talk with uh, him about the State Department's announcement earlier this week designating 10 countries as countries of particular concern, including Nigeria for the first time. And speaking of China, with another wave of the coronavirus hitting the U.S., there are, again, overreaching mayors and governors restricting the First Amendment exercise of religion. But as we heard yesterday from Pastor Mike McClure in San Jose, California, fines and threats and even jail will not constrain pastors called to preach the gospel and care for their flocks. Pastor Mark Hodeling from High Plains Harvest Church in Colorado is one of those pastors pushing back, taking Governor Jared Polis to court. Pastor Hodeling joins us with the details. And yesterday, the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom, where I serve as vice chair this year, held a hearing on blasphemy laws that exist in 84 countries and are often used to restrict and even prosecute those seeking to exercise religious freedom. Now, one of the witnesses was Sean Tassir from Pakistan. Now, Sean has become a religious freedom activist after after his father, who was governor of Punjab in in Pakistan, was killed for his public defense of Asiya Bibi. Sean joins us later here on Washington Watch. And as we uh, discussed frequently, the Trump administration stands apart from any other conservative administration in terms of their advancement of the sanctity of human life and religious freedom, among other important policy initiatives. Now, don't think these policies are not going to come under attack day one of a Biden administration. In fact, several groups close to Joe Biden and Kamala Harris have already put together their plans for a Biden administration and are presenting them. Now, one of those is Secular Democrats for America. It's headed by members of Congress, so this is a legitimate group. Their roadmap will clearly put America on an opposite course from religious freedom. But they have the ear of Harris and Biden, and you need to know what is coming if there is a Harris-Biden administration. So we're going to talk about it here today on Washington Watch. The website, TonyPerkins.com. Uh, if you're on Parlor, it is at T. Perkins. And again, I want to remind you that uh, we've got folks uh, standing by to take your calls today. If you want to join with us and partner through uh, the end of the year, and I'm going to share that with you a little bit later. Well, the days and weeks since the election have not seen a slowing of the Trump administration on the international front. The State Department, under the leadership of Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, continues to press on to advance the administration's efforts overseas, American first policy. And in particular, this is uh, is significant when it comes to religious freedom and when it comes to China. As I shared on yesterday's program, the State Department this week placed Nigeria on its list of countries of particular concern for the first time. Now, that designation marks the first time a democracy was placed on the list, which includes nations whose governments engage in or tolerate systematic, ongoing, 
egregious violations of religious freedom. There's a total of 10 countries designated that way. State Department also announced this week that it had blacklisted 14 Chinese officials in response to Beijing's crackdown on opposition lawmakers in Hong Kong. Joining me now to talk about all of this is the Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo. Mr. Secretary, welcome back to the program. Tony, it's great to be with you. I want to start first with your speech yesterday, which has uh, created a little bit of a stir, uh, because you really took this to the university campuses of America, saying that in some cases they're being willfully duped by the Chinese Communist Party. Tony, I've made a point as my time as Secretary of State to uh, talk to the American people about why what it is we do uh, in national security world, whether that's Department of Defense, the State Department, or others, why it matters and the things that they can do and how it impacts their lives. And so one of the places I wanted to go was uh, to an American research institution, a great place, Georgia Tech, uh, where the Chinese Communist Party sees our research institutions as opportunities, opportunities to steal, opportunities to replace, and opportunities to repress not only Americans, but Chinese nationals studying at those institutions as well. And so we laid out yesterday the fact pattern for how the Chinese Communist Party has essentially infiltrated these institutions of higher learning and begun to exert enormous influence there, both by their presence and by their connectivity to students who are studying there, as well as by the money that they provide to these institutions. And you argue that this is a threat to our freedoms. It degrades the freedoms of Americans and it threatens our national security. I'm always very clear. Uh, there are Chinese students studying at our universities who are just perfectly fine, and they came here to learn, and they want to make their lives better, and often they stay here in the United States and, and do, and do in fact, work in ways that uh, make America more free and more prosperous. But we have almost 400,000 Chinese students on an average year studying here, and too many of those are, have deep connections to the Chinese security apparatus, to the Chinese uh, uh, People's Liberation Army, We've seen the cases that the FBI has brought just in the last 18 months alleging precisely this kind of activity. And our, our institutions of higher learning have a responsibility to protect their students, including the Chinese nationals who are studying there. And they have a responsibility to uh, all of us that if they are receiving money from those institutions, they have a legal requirement to disclose it, and they need to make sure that they're using these funds in a way that's consistent with uh, the American mission that they're all engaged in. Now, I think you're unique as Secretary of State from the standpoint of your background. A West Point grad served in the United States Army, but prior to stepping in your role as Secretary of State, you served as the director of the CIA. So you have to look through these things through multiple lenses. When you look at the threats to America, where does China rate on that list? From a threat to the United States of America from an external actor. It's not remotely close. They are uh, the largest, most significant threat to our national security anywhere on the global stage today. So when you consider how this administration, I'm going to talk just a moment about how under your leadership, under the leadership of President Donald Trump, religious freedom has become a number one uh, foreign policy objective, but also you've spent a lot of time addressing the issues with China. The Trump administration has on trade and other issues. Are, are you concerned that this America first policy that has brought 
uh, to head, uh, brought it to a head, this relationship with China, but exposed a lot of things. Are you concerned that if there's a Biden administration, we're going to revert to uh, what would be, in effect, a China-first policy? It would be unacceptable for the American people to go back to where we were uh, before the Trump administration came in. And I, I don't mean that as a partisan attack. Frankly, there were Republican administrations before uh, President Obama that didn't uh, confront China in the way that it uh, demands to keep us all safe and prosperous. So I am hopeful that the American consensus that I believe is out there that understands this risk, right, this virus that came from Wuhan, uh, the massive violations of human rights and the religious freedom violations that are taking place in Tibet and in Mongolia and in Western China for the Uyghurs today. These, these things that the American people can see with their own eyes. And so I am I'm very hopeful that whoever is sitting in the White House, not only uh, 50 days from now, but 500 days from now and 5,000 days from now, uh, takes this threat in a way that is serious and responds in a way that will protect the American people from the Chinese Communist Party's clear intention to have global dominance. Well, you mentioned religious freedom, and I want to transition to that topic now because this is uh, a topic you and I have talked about on this program. We've talked about it privately, and that is the issue of Nigeria, where there is the potential, I believe, of uh, of, of genocide, where you see this um, religious uh, collision that is taking place between Muslims and Christians, and Christians are dying. This week, uh, for the first time, uh, the State Department uh designated Nigeria as a country of particular concern. Uh, explain that to our listeners. So, Tony, the State Department doesn't uh, make this decision lightly or without substantial factual basis for doing so. There a lot of work when it went into that designation and to that analysis. We stare at the conversations we've had with the Nigerian government. They tell us they want to get this right. We want to do everything we can to help them get this right, but there's a real burden that they face. Uh, they have to treat uh, their citizens in a way that uh, doesn't treat them differently because of their faith, and today that's simply uh, something that has a particular concern for us, that Christians are being treated in a way inside of Nigeria that is inconsistent with that government's responsibility. And So we wanted to identify that. We wanted to make the, the world aware of the American concern about this. I am confident other nations will join us in that concern. And then we want to work alongside the leadership, not only the governmental leadership, but the civilian leadership in Nigeria, and we want to eradicate this problem. We want the Nigerian people to be successful, but it can't be the case that this kind of uh, religious intolerance and indeed the uh, terrible actions that have been taken against some uh, Christians can be tolerated. I mean, this is systematic, egregious violations of religious freedom that is taking place either with the government's direct involvement or them allowing it to occur without addressing it. And so this is a this is established standard. It's not arbitrary. Uh, they join, um, you know, a, a pretty bad neighborhood of actors. I mean, they, the State Department uh, designating Burma, China, Eritrea, Iran, uh, the North Korean uh, country, uh, Pakistan, Saudi Arabia, Tajikistan, and Turkmenistan. 
Turkmenistan, uh, all designated as countries of particular concern. With this uh, designation, uh, this obviously is bringing a fine point to religious freedom and the violations of it. But there's also some bright spots uh, in what has happened as a result of the leadership of this administration globally on religious freedom. Oh, Tony, it's it's so true. I'm, I'm an optimist. Uh, maybe that's because I'm a, a a person of faith. But I am I am confident uh, that the direction of travel is right, uh, and that our administration has made. Uh, those countries that want to move in the right direction on religious freedom, welcome. We've supported them. We've given them uh, help in getting there. It makes their people more uh, whole. It, it it ceases to deny their people basic fundamental rights. That makes governments more secure. So I'm optimistic. And in the case of Nigeria in particular, uh, I want we want them all to move in the right direction. We, we, this is not the case that we want to call them out for the sake of punishment. We want to assist them in moving in the right direction so that next year or the year after, uh, we won't identify them as being a particular concern, but rather as a model for religious freedom around the world. Like uh, like Sudan that came off the list. Yes, sir. Exactly. So there are good, positive uh, developments, and I I attribute that in a large part to the focus that you and the Trump administration have placed on religious freedom internationally. And for that, uh, there are people literally around the globe that have hearts of gratitude this year, especially make it significant as we move into uh, Christmas. Mr. Secretary, I want to thank you for joining us today. As always, great to talk with you, and uh, if I don't see you before, have a very Merry Christmas. You have a blessed Christmas too, Tony. Hope you're doing well. So long. Doing All right. Secretary of State Mike uh, Pompeo. All right, coming up after the break, we've been talking about uh, these attacks on religious freedom by overreaching governors. And pastors are pushing back, and so is a pastor in Colorado who's seeking to take the governor to court. We'll talk with him next here on Washington Watch. Don't go away. Hey, Matt. Hey, Hannah. What's going on? Why so gloomy? Well, I'm a little disappointed. I had a lot planned to do during the stay-at-home time, and I just didn't do it. Oh, yeah? What did you have planned that you didn't get to do? Well, I was actually hoping I would finally be able to get time to do a regular Bible reading routine, and I started a couple of times. I just didn't stick with it. Don't be too down on yourself. Starting a new routine can be hard, but one way to help is to join in with others and to have a good game plan. I think I have a good solution for you. Oh, yeah? Tony Perkins and FRC are doing a two-year study in the Word. They have it all mapped out. When did they start? I I would be so far behind. Oh, that's not a problem. You can literally jump in any time. There's a daily reading just a couple of chapters a day with questions to help you think about what you're reading. Nice. Where can I find this? Go to frc.org slash Bible, and you can get started. Where's that again? frc.org slash Bible. Got it. Checking it out now. In a recent poll, it was revealed that only 6% of Americans hold a biblical worldview. This research also indicated that Christianity's teachings on abortion, marriage, and homosexuality are not only misunderstood, but seen as dangerous and subversive. In response to this trend, Family Research Council has released a new set of resources in our Biblical Worldview series. In addition to our full publications, which cover the topics of Christian political engagement, abortion, religious liberty, and human sexuality, 
FRC now offers helpful summaries of each publication in this series, as well as accompanying prayer guides to help you and your family pray through these important issues. And finally, our popular biblical principles for political engagement is now available in Spanish. All of these resources are free and available at frc.org slash worldview. Again, that's frc.org slash worldview. Masculinity in America has... Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. So good to have you with us. As I mentioned earlier, we've got uh, folks standing by to take your call. If you'd like to partner with uh, the Family Research Council Washington Watch to make sure that we stay on the air and that we continue to defend faith, family, and freedom in our nation's capital, we've got a group of uh, supporters that have put together a $1 million matching challenge. So essentially, every dollar you give will be doubled. So we've got team members waiting to take your call, and and, and I, they look a little lonely. So why don't you give them a call? 800-225-4008. That's 800-225-4008. Or if you'd rather, go to TonyPerkins.com, and you can donate online. All right, as we mentioned in yesterday's program, and, uh, you know, what seems to be ongoing, nonstop over the last uh, 10 months is the government implementing extreme restrictions on houses of worship as a result of the coronavirus. You know, pastors are being held in contempt of court. We talked with uh, Pastor uh, Mike McClure yesterday, held in contempt, fined $55,000. Some are being forced to close their doors entirely. Well, High Plains Harvest Church and Senior Pastor Mark Hoteling have had enough of the limits. This church is seeking an injunction against the 50-person limit that's been placed on the on churches in the state of Colorado uh, under Governor Jared Polis. Joining me now to uh, to give us the details is the pastor of High Plains Harvest Church, Pastor Mark Hodling. Pastor, welcome to Washington Watch. Thank you for having me, and thank you for all the good work you guys do. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you, and thank you for for standing up. This this is becoming um, a, a frequent topic on this program because we are having more and more uh, churches that are just saying, "Look, we've got to do what we're called to do: preach the gospel, minister to our people, and we can't do it under these owners' restrictions." Which, by the way, are being applied in a way and a fashion that is discriminatory, discriminatory towards churches. Um, so give us the status of, of your uh, legal challenge against the governor of Colorado. Well, we actually had a major victory yesterday, um, and the state is now backpedaling. Um, they have lifted the capacity restrictions against churches, and um, we are now treated as any other essential business, and that's a huge victory uh, for every church in Colorado. And our, our intent all along has been not to get an in- injunction to benefit High Plains Harvest Church, but that right. all churches in, in Colorado. And so the capacities have been lifted, and here's the inside baseball. The, the reason why they're doing this is they're trying to keep it out of the Supreme Court. They're trying to right. um, try and, and have it not be ruled upon. But we are pressing forward. Because Good. the reality is, is that the state can do this whenever they want and, and until right. they're stopped. And so we're going to keep pressing forward. Uh, this Friday, another, uh, filing will be, uh, um, 
we'll be filing again, and um, we're going to keep pressing forward. But you're right. The the reality is is that churches are treated unfairly and discriminated against, and um, we we're just a small rural church. But you know, it's like it's like David. I mean, <laughs> we got a small stone and and a sling, and we're going to keep swinging. Well, you're you're very smart um, to to press forward, and, and and if you actually read the opinion of uh, Justice uh, Gorsuch. Um, in yep. the c- case in New York, he actually pointed yep. to that very issue that you just brought up, that uh, there were some, because the governor in New York changed his policy at the last minute, there were some arguing, well, the course the, the case should be dropped because the issue has been resolved. But he pointed out, well, what's to keep them from going back next week and, and putting it back in place again? So you're very, you're, you're, you're smart to press this forward because we're, I've been saying this all along. Where this pandemic ends, the next one begins. And we've got to establish once and for all this First Amendment freedom is the freedom to meet together, to worship without government interference. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely correct. And, and you know, the, they, they saw that the writing was on the wall. They, they The state of Colorado, they, they knew that, you know, that they were going to lose on this thing. And so... They're in they're in defense mode right now, and we're so we're, we're so what are the what are the restrictions now? They've they've moved, removed the fifty person limit. So now, what is the uh, what what's the ceiling? What what how many people can you have? It's supposed to be fifty percent of capacity right now. Okay, and you know we 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 haven't hit in the history. I mean, we're our church is ten years old. We I think there's maybe been one Christmas and one Easter service that we've ever hit 50% of the capacity of our, of our sanctuary. I mean, you know, it totally lifts what we need, but you know, there's other churches in our network. We're the part of the crossway network, uh, in Northern Colorado, uh, group of churches that are, it's a church planting support network. And, you know, but there's some of our churches that, you know, they, they have been, severely hampered um and and again churches across the entire state of colorado i mean this is a this is a god's people issue this isn't just a church on the corner or mega church over there this is a god's people issue and that's what we've been fighting for this whole time well, and uh, all the churches there in the state owe you a debt of gratitude for uh, for standing up and pressing this issue. And and as I said, you're right to continue pressing it forward. And the main the thing that is most egregious is when there is a double standard applied to churches and others. So this is this is certainly a major victory that churches are being treated no worse than others. I still think there's a lot of government overreach uh, that they're using this coronavirus to accomplish. Um, Pastor Mark, thanks so much for uh, for joining us today, and, and thanks for standing strong there in Colorado. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Pastor Mark Hotelling from uh, High Plains Harvest Church in uh, Colorado. All right. Uh, don't go away. When we come back, uh, yesterday the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom hosted a hearing on a report on blasphemy laws. 84 countries uh, having these laws and often used to uh, suppress religious minorities uh, and to incite mob violence. We're going to talk about this with 
Sean Tasir. His father was the mayor of Punjab in in uh, Pakistan and was killed because he defended Asiya Bibi. We're going to talk with him next here on Washington Watch. Don't go away. back to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. So good to have you with us. Let me remind you, uh, next Tuesday night, uh, that is December the 15th, we'll be at uh, Truett McConnell University in Cleveland, Georgia. To find out more about the Pray Vote Stand rally, go to prayvotestand.org. All right, yesterday, the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom uh, held a hearing in which it released a an extensive report, the most extensive report conducted this year on blasphemy laws. Uh, which are uh, used in about 84 countries. 84 different countries have blasphemy laws, and these are often used to suppress religious freedom or even prosecute. Um, and it opens the door to to other uh, non-governmental acts of violence. Uh, joining me now to uh, to talk about this is one of the witnesses that we had yesterday, Sean Tassir. He's the son of Salman Tassir, the former governor of Pinjam Providence in Pakistan, who was killed. Uh, he was a governor. He was killed uh, for defending Asiya Bibi. Now, you might remember we've talked about her. She's She's been on the news for a while because she was released from prison and she's now living uh, safely in Canada. Sean, uh, welcome to Washington Watch. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, Sean, I was uh, intrigued by your testimony uh, on the USERF Commission. You uh, founded an organization, you co-founded uh, Pakistan for All. It's a grassroots organization yeah. that works to fight the spread of religious extremism. Um, you're concerned about these blasphemy laws. Why so? Um, well, the blasphemy law is inherently an unjust law. Uh, it's a dysfunctional law because, primarily because any law which is so vague, or let's say it's so broad, uh, that that it doesn't quite define, and it can't define the uh, the crime that it purports to punish. Uh, it 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 puts in a very broad definition, a slight, an innuendo, an insinuation. Now, such a broad definition can essentially fit any uh, fit any instance, and it's undefined. It's amorphous. Uh, and on the flip side, whereas the whereas the proposed crime is so amorphous, the punishment is death, and 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 only death. So, so, so this with, with, with this kind of perverted, perverted uh, relationship between the definition, the exactness of the crime, and the harshness of the punishment, it becomes an it becomes a uh, an instrument of persecution. It, its application is arbitrary and it, it's selective against minority communities, against people who want to be silenced. Now, in the report that USERF released, uh, 84 countries around the globe have criminal blasphemy laws on the book as of uh, this year. Um, they found 732 reported blasphemy-related incidents from 2014 uh, between then and 2018. Now, the interesting thing about this, uh, Sean, is that only about half of those countries actually used the blasphemy laws. The other half, they were just on the books. But even if the uh, state did not enforce the blasphemy laws, what we found is nearly 80% of the incidents 
of mob violence or threats, whether there was a state enforcement or not, took place only in four countries, Pakistan, Bangladesh, Nigeria, and Egypt. So oftentimes it's not the government that uses these, but it is it is activists on the outside that use these as justification for violence. Uh, yes. See, the existence of the blasphemy law in these territories is part of a larger problem of radicalization. Uh, the blas- blasphemy law can be toothless if it's if it's not if it's not uh, if it's if it's not pushed by a, a an enraged mob uh, consisting of parties, political parties with political influences. Uh, this mob. Um, you see, part, part of the part of the design of the blasphemy law is to enrage people's religious feelings and 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 call for a mob to to take vigilante action. And whenever there's a blasphemy accusation in such places, uh, it, it is a mob that essentially puts not only the accused person's life in danger, but his family, people around him, their community, the lawyers that try to defend them the judges that try to give them a fair hearing, and the police if they try to do right by them. So it's a, it's a very unreasonable mob that tries to essentially just go for blood in such, a, in, in such circumstances, as opposed to try to give justice to the, um, to, to the accused. Right, Sean, as you pointed out, those that are just in the process trying to ensure that justice is done are often targets like your father. Uh, your father's uh, killing as a result of uh, defending Asiya Bibi, uh, simply wanting justice to be done. Is that what prompted you to become more involved in defending um, the, the rights of all people and to try to stop this extremism? Oh, yes, certainly. Um I was also, after my father's killing, I was also approached by um, uh, a lot of people in the Christian community who are affected by this law. Because, you see, when, 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 when a blasphemy accusation comes your way, you often have no one to speak to, you have no one to call. So I got drawn into this activism by, mm-hmm. uh, by, by, by a lot of people who required help, who required someone to stand by them. And now you are, are doing that uh, in a very effective way. Uh, Sean Tassir, I want to thank you for joining us today. And uh, thank you for what you're doing on behalf of uh, the freedom of all individuals. Uh, we're grateful for it, and I'm thankful that you joined us today. Well, thank, thank, you for, thank you for raising your voice. I think that uh, we all have to um, work to repeal. Absolutely. All right, folks, to find out more, and, and this is a big issue. I mean, it's a big issue. Go to TonyPerkins.com. We need to be a voice for all people to have the freedom to choose whether or not to worship God. And uh, especially this time, we usually think about this. All right, don't go away because we're going to talk about religion coming up next and uh, how it's going to be under attack in the days ahead. Hello, this is Tony Perkins. With the balance of power in the U.S. Senate on the line, the runoff elections for Georgia's two U.S. Senate seats on January the 5th may be the most important Senate elections of our lifetimes. The outcome will have a profound impact on the future of faith, family, and freedom for all Americans. That's why we're inviting you to join us in North Georgia for our Pray Vote Stand Georgia Rally Tuesday, December the 15th at 7 p.m., Join me, 
Congressman Doug Collins, Congressman Jody Heiss, Congressman Louis Gomer, Todd Starnes, Abraham Hamilton, and others as we join together to discuss how we can get involved. The rally will be at Truett McConnell University in Cleveland, and again, it starts at 7 p.m. For more details, visit PrayVoteStand.org. That's PrayVoteStand.org. This rally is sponsored by FRC Action and AFA Action. Are you looking to grow closer in your relationship with Jesus Christ and in your knowledge of God's Word? Family Research Council has a three-part series titled, Three Ways to Read the Bible. This series shares helpful ways to be encouraged and directed by God's truth by observing the text of the Bible and applying it to your life. There is no better time than now to get to know God through His Word by looking into the Bible to see what it says about itself, God, and humanity. There's no better time than now to begin devoting time to the Lord and to seek out His meaning for you. This blog series is a great primer on opening your eyes and heart to Him through the Bible amid the toils and troubles of today. Check out this helpful resource and learn how to read the Bible with not just your eyes, but with your heart and mind as well. To learn more, visit frcblog.com slash ways to read. That's frcblog.com slash ways to read. Like Christmas everywhere you go. Take a look in the five and ten. Listen and once again with candy canes and silver lanes aglow. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Welcome back. I'm Tony Perkins, and you're listening to Washington Watch. You know, one of the issues that President Trump uh, brought up when he was a candidate, remember he's saying, you know, it's going to be okay, it's going to be safe to say Merry Christmas uh, in America again. And, and the media kind of laughed. They were dismissive of it. And, and it was a very clear signal that he understood that religious freedom was under attack in this country. And, and that connected that really connected him with uh, with evangelical Christians. And as I talked about, uh, I guess, last week with George Barna, as we track the sage cons, that's the spiritually active, governance-engaged conservatives, about 23 million of them. That's the kind of the core of the evangelicals. Uh, 99% turned out for the election, and 97% of them voted for Donald Trump, and they said it was because of the record he had established on the life issue, religious liberty issue. They were, they were, listen to this, you were, I should say, not they, you, we, were nearly one-third, 30% of the president's total vote came from you. And that's why you're going to see hostility unleashed in a Biden administration against sage guns, against conservative Christians. Now, I'm going to talk about that because I've got in my hands, I actually have what is called the roadmap. And this comes from Secular Democrats of America. Now, this is not some, not, I mean, they're, they're, well, let me just put it this way. They'll be taken serious because it is, uh, it's members of Congress, Jamie Raskin, Jared Huffman, uh, Jerry uh, McKernany, McKernany, uh, they are a part of the secular Democrats of America. So I'm going to talk about this in a minute. But first, a couple of housekeeping things. Uh, I want to remind you again, this coming Tuesday, December the 15th, we will be 
uh, in Cleveland, Georgia, for a pray vote stand rally. Georgia is critical, and there's going to be an election there. And so we're going to have uh, Congressman Doug Collins. We're going to have uh, Congressman Louis Gohmert. Uh, I think uh, Congressman uh, Jody Heiss uh, going to be with us. Uh, Ralph Reed will be there. Todd Starnes will be there. I'll be there. Uh, Abe Hamilton with American Family Radio will be there. So we've got a, a great lineup of folks that are going to be there. I hope you'll be there, too, 7 p.m., 7 to 9 p.m. To find out more, go to prayvotestand.org. Right. And, again, we've got folks standing by to take your call if you'd like to partner with the Family Research Council, Washington Watch, to ensure that this program continues. There's censorship all around us. I mean, literally, Christian radio is one of the last places you can go where the news is not being censored. Now, may come to that. We're going to fight for it, but we need you to stand with us. Give us a call, 800-225-4008. We've got folks standing by to take your call. And because of a million-dollar matching challenge, whatever you give will be doubled, in effect. Call us, 800-225-4008. And then one more thing. One more thing. Um, And this is for an upcoming program, and I need your help on this, because uh, some of you have joined with us in our two-year through the Bible reading program. We're we're almost almost to the end of the first year. It's been remarkable for us here as a staff at FRC. But we'd like to know how it's impacted you if you've been a part of it. And... I'd like you to call our comment line and just share with us any story you want to tell, 30 to 60 seconds, how this is ministered to you, just being in God's Word for this year. Um, and then we're gonna, I'm gonna play some of these, uh, coming up, uh, in the next week or so. So that number, and you can do it after the program's over. You can call anytime. So you don't need to, don't leave, don't leave. Uh, just write this down and you can call later, 866-372-7234. 866 866- Three seven two seven two three four. Call and uh, it'll be a recorded message. Just leave your uh, leave your comment there. Okay. Secular Democrats for America. They they released this on December the th- uh, November the thirtieth. Quote: We've offered the new administration a roadmap to restore our basic constitutional values and protect science, reason, and public health in American government. This is Representative Jamie Raskin and Jared Huffman. Now, the co-chairs of the Congressional Free Thought, they're, they're both co-chairs of the Congressional Free Thought Caucus, as well as a caucus, uh, caucus, uh, member, Jerry, uh, McKerney. Uh, they call out the Trump administration for advancing a right-wing Christian nationalist agenda and offer a path for the Biden-Harris administration to restore the secular government envisioned by our nation's founders. Now, I'm quoting from their press release. I'm turning to the second page of their press release as soon as I can get it turned. So this is um, this is what they want, and this is this is interesting what they state. According to Pew Research, non-religious Americans represent a huge chunk of the electorate, thirty percent of the 2018 voters, and are overwhelmingly pro-Biden. The demographic is the youngest, fastest-growing religious group. Notice they say religious group in the nation that has been recognized by the Democratic Party as a core element of their constituency now and in the future. And this is, uh, I guess, their executive director, Levin, saying it's discouraging that only one party nominated candidates who respect expertise and make decisions based on science, reason, and evidence. Really. I think that's baloney. I mean, on science, you're going to hear this a lot, that they're the pro-science party. Really. 
So what about the the science of life when life begins? They deny that science. What about the basic biology? Females have X chromosomes, males have X and Y chromosomes. They, they deny that science. So that, that that that's hogwash that they're the party of science. But let, let, let me move on. Um, let's talk about this secular Democrats of America. What do they stand for? What are they about? Secular governance, mobilizing non-religious voters. Here's uh, here's something they say. Uh, the, in 2019, the Democratic National Committee made unprecedented strides to include the non-religious, a community long stigmatized and left without a seat at the table by passing Resolution 38. Now, this is the Democratic Party. And electing a representative of the secular commit, uh, community to the DNC Interfaith Council. Now, now, why is that important? Well, we're going to talk about that. I'm, con- I'm continuing. This is from their website. Okay, I'm not making any of this up. Engaging this demographic, which represents nearly one in three voters under 35, will be key to winning elections in the future. Wait a minute. This is political. They're talking about elections. I thought that's what they were accusing evangelicals of being political. Uh huh. What is a secular caucus? Again, I'm reading from their website. Well, this is what they say they want to do. Protecting the sanct- the separation of religion and government as the best guarantee of religious freedom for all Americans. Really? While the secular Democrats of America represent secular caucuses within the Democratic Party, there is also a congressional free thought caucus and an association of secular elected officials. We are hopeful. Listen to this. We are hopeful that soon there will be secular or free-thought caucuses in legislative bodies throughout the country. Be watching. They want to move this attack on religious freedom to your state. Now, mobilizing the secular voting bloc. While non-religious and religious unaffiliated Americans are not monolithic, they are largely united on issues such as climate crisis, civil rights, immigration, and more, making for a powerful Democratic voting bloc. They comprise the single largest religious demographic in the Democratic Party. Wait wait a minute, I thought they were non-religious, so now they're religious. Um, And they want to take back religious freedom. Again, quoting, It is past time for the Democratic Party to take back the mantle of religious freedom from the GOP, which has which has exposed its hypocrisy for all to see by supporting Donald Trump. Christian nationalists, that's that's you, uh, have found willing participants in the Republican Party who will join their crusade to destroy the wall of separation that protects religion from government and government from religion. Yeah, it's 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 not the separation of church and state. It is the separation of God from government that they actually want. Uh, continuing. Uh, w- eliminating the stigma of being non-religious. So what are they going after? One of the things they say is that they... They say, and I'm quoting, God and country are common refrains that continue to stigmatize and exclude the secular community. So take note. They want to remove, and and in fact, in their roadmap, they want to change the motto from in God we trust. They They want to scratch that. So look for the pledge under God to be changed uh, as well. That's a part of their effort. So, well, let me just continue here a part of their interfaith collaboration. We celebrate and strive for pluralism and peaceful coexistence among people of all faiths and none. But, of course, they do want to exclude evangelicals who believe the Bible. Advancing religious freedom. 
we ad- we advocate for a religious freedom that protects the freedom of religion as vigorously as one that protects freedom from religion. Mm, that's insightful. So what are their issues? Civil rights. We oppose religious exemptions. Basically, any business that says, I'm a religious, I don't want to be forced to do this or that, they don't want that. Uh, and look at this in healthcare in the United States, and I'm again quoting from their website. One in six hospital beds are in a Catholic institution where care can be dictated by religious doctrine. Well, yes, Catholic hospitals. Thank God that the church let out years ago to provide health care. And so now in America, yes, there are a lot of faith-based hospitals that are providing care to all people, but they don't want to be forced to perform abortions, to do radical sex changes and mutilate people's bodies. They want to force them. That's what they're talking about when it comes to religious freedom. Um, I mean, the, the, the list goes on and on. Um, of course, they support the United States reentry into the Paris Climate Agreement. Okay, I'm going to get down to the military and national character. We support the recognition of humanist chaplains by the Department of Defense and measures to increase oversight of military chaplains to ensure that chaplains are serving service members of all faith and none equally. Wait a minute. They they call themselves non-religious, but yet they want to be included in religious dialogue. They are validating the point that has long been made that secularism, secularism is a religion. It is a religion, and they want to be treated like a religion. They want atheist chaplains. I mean, that's an oxymoron, unless secularism is a religion. So if it is, and their doctrines, then therefore, such as evolution and transgenderism, should be treated like religion and banned from our schools. They're, they're making the argument for us that secularism is a religion. Now, I didn't even get to the roadmap yet, but I, I I'm, and I'm not going to have time because I'm going to run out of time. I'm going to have to revisit this issue. But I'm reading from, and I'm going to put this up on my website so you can see it. This is going to be at TonyPerkins.com. So read it for yourself. I'm not making any of this up. This is their preamble, in part. We urge you, this is to Kamala Harris and Joe Biden, we urge you not to underestimate the institutional strength of what we refer to interchangeably in this document as the Christian nationalist movement or the religious right. This movement is extraordinarily well-funded and well-organized, and the manifestation of its extreme and sectarian agenda is on constant display under the Trump-Pence administration. Its political ideology is anti-democratic and anti-science. It provides constant cover for white supremacy, and it advances a reactionary economic policy, tax policy, and dominionist view of the environment that undermines our capacity and will to address climate change. With their political agenda sanctioned by a higher power, that would be God, their base of support is disciplined, motivated, and deeply committed to a vision that does not align with our basic constitutional values and democratic principles. Well, it does align with the Constitution, and uh, it does align with democratic principles, but not democratic party principles. Um, so they go on to say, we ask that you counter this movement's narrative by actively working to dismantle its grip on our government and counter its inaccurate and revisionist messaging around our nation's founding. 
It is no longer enough just to champion the rights of minorities and marginalized communities or to promote inclusion and equality. We urge you to champion America's original constitutional secularism and the separation of church and state as core governing principles that protect religious freedom for people of all faiths and none at all. We implore you to help educate the American public by reasonably defining what religious freedom really means, that every American has a right to practice his or her her religion without interference, but no religious group can impose religious dogma or orthodoxy on another citizen or other faiths and belief system. Basically, you can believe what you want in your head, but you can't live it out in society. That's what they want. And and they actually state as much. Um, I I don't have time. I'm out of time. But I'm going to revisit this because I'm going to go through this line by line because this is their roadmap. And we cannot neglect it. This is what we are going to see from a Biden administration. And you need to be prepared. So uh, if you want to look at it yourself, again, I'm going to put a link up uh, at TonyPerkins.com. All right, folks, uh, out of time. I'm sorry I'm out of time. I need a whole program just to talk about this. And you know what? I may just do that. All right, folks. Give us a call. we got folks standing by to take your phone call if you'd like to be a part of partnering with uh, with FRC as we come to the end of the year. 800-225-4008, the number to call to talk to one of our team members. Until next time, I leave you with the encouraging word of the Apostle Paul, found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, prepared, and taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. 